Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secret Birds HQ podcast. And this is podcast episode number 32. And we are joined today by Miss Dominique Lescott. Hello, Dominique. Hello, thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's This is my first podcast, so it's a really good opportunity to be on your podcast today. Yay, exciting! Well, I'm happy to have you. Thank you for um, for coming on. And this is your first, so this is going to be really, really good. <laughs> I'm excited. And Dominique is the founder of Melanin Mind Soul. And she's going to tell us a little bit about more about who she is and her journey and how she um, started her her website. And today we're going to be discussing a very interesting topic with Dominique. And we are going to be talking about the sexualization of women, particularly on the island of Nevis, which is where Dominique resides at the moment. So Dominique, let's begin. Tell us a bit more about you. So my name is Dominique and I am from England originally, Birmingham more specifically, but I used to live in Kent just outside of London and then I lived in London up until last year when I resigned from my job and decided that I was going to live on an island which is Nevis in the eastern part of the Caribbean. So a little bit about my background. I started the blog Melanin Mind and Soul um, at the end of 2016 and it had been something that had I had been thinking about for a while and then that's all it was it was a thought I looked at one book which was called Bloggers for Dummies and I never really pushed forward to actually doing it because there was always so many excuses not to start a blog such as um, I don't know how to, I don't have a website, I don't have to build a website, it's expensive. And then in 20, 20, the end of 2015 and 2016, I went through a lot of my personal life and then I decided that I was going to go into 2017 doing all of the things that I say that I don't find the time to do. And I decided to start that in December rather than in January and just keep taking that through the new year. So I started my blog, which is a lifestyle blog that focuses on inspiring people through conversations that I've had with other people, people that have helped support me through my growth, or they have felt that I've supported them through their growth. It concentrates a lot on Black-owned businesses as well, and really promoting and advertising um, key Black-owned businesses that I really value and support. Okay. And then when I decided that I was going to live in Nevis, I documented um, what it was like, the decision to go there, the decision to leave my job and my Nevision adventures. Mm -hmm. So I resigned from my job in January. And when I resigned from my job, I just knew that it wasn't making me happy anymore. And what kind of job? What kind of job did you do, Dominique? What kind of work? So I was working in local government in London on quite a big project, but it wasn't fulfilling my reasons for wanting to work in local government because I always wanted to help people and help communities. And I felt that because of the nature of the project, 
it was more of a case of I was helping personalities in within my organization and whenever I tried to present opportunities to progress and upscale I kept on getting knocked down to the point where it was really starting to knock my confidence and it was making me feel a little bit as if I was incompetent so as I wanted to get rid of everything that was making me happy I had to get rid of my job and it was a case of I kept on saying you know I wish I could just go and live on an island and go live in Nevis and every time I thought about the reasons not to do it I just put myself off until one day I thought wow what's the worst that can really happen and when I look back I had at my like going back on my journal and my notes I had been saying this to myself for a long time I'd been asking myself the question about giving it up giving up my job and going to Nevis and really finding myself so not long after handing in my notice and feeling really liberated I then came up with the idea to develop my own business because I kind of felt like if there wasn't something if there wasn't a job out there for me to apply for and go into then perhaps it might be worth creating my own and I think traveling really helps that because every time I travel I really reflect and I always come back feeling a lot more refreshed to make informed decisions so when I went to Nevis in March it gave me a lot of time to really focus on writing that's my passion and I published a lot of blogs in that time and I really started to build my personal brand without even realizing I was doing that because it's when you start to turn your passion into something it opens up a lot of opportunities for you and when I got one of those Facebook pop-up notifications from three years previous saying, I want to start a blog. I don't know where, I don't know where to begin. It was kind of like, this has always been here, but I kept on ignoring it and ignoring it. And now that I've started it, look at the opportunities, um, they're the people that I've met, even such as yourself, they're, they're endless. There's just so many things that, so many doors that are really opening and it's kind of, why I was I always tell people if you've got an idea no matter how big or small or a hobby just run with it and see where it goes because something so small and minor or what you think is small and minor actually can turn into something a lot bigger absolutely and you never know unless you do it until you do it exactly and I think it's always asking yourself what is the worst that can happen and for me when I was really thinking about it, it was more of a case of having somewhere to live. So I just figure as long as I have somewhere to live, I'm, I'm good. And I come from a, a big family. So there's always a bed or a sofa that I could sleep on. And as long as I've got a roof over my head, I just feel like I will always find my feet. So in that respect, I just thought, go for it. Um, and being in Nevis makes me feel so comfortable and most people really supported my decision as well I expected people to be saying what are you doing have you thought about this you know you're crazy but I actually got a lot of support and I was really quite surprised when I was making the decision it was purely on my own I didn't ask anyone what they thought 
I sat down with myself, my journal, my thoughts, you know, brainstormed the pros and the cons. And I made the decision for myself. I really thought about it. And then I started telling my family and friends why I wanted to go and some of the things that I wanted to do. And they totally supported that. And I think that even though they didn't help me to make the decision, it made me feel a lot more comfortable in what I was doing. Right. And being there, I found so many opportunities that it's actually overwhelming because some people think, oh, what do you do in such a small island? Um, it must be boring, but it's not. Because when you live in a big cosmopolitan city, sometimes mm-hmm. it can still feel lonely. You can, you can still get lost. And when you're in a smaller place, even though it can be frustrating for some people when everyone knows each other, it's actually quite nice because if someone doesn't see me for a few days they were like oh I've been worried about you or where have you been or if my doors closed for a few days everyone everyone knows and it's kind of like everyone looks out for you and I quite like that I like that that culture where you can go into town and you're expected to say good morning or good afternoon to people and it's it's acceptable whereas here when I say good afternoon to people on the street they look at me like I'm a bit crazy so I like that culture where everyone does know each other and everyone is polite to one another there's there are exceptions though (laughs) yeah yeah I think that's just the strong sense of community and and culture that uh, that you have in in the Caribbean and other parts of the world that you probably won't find in big cities yeah Exactly. Okay. So thanks for, for giving us the, you're, you're telling us about your journey. It sounds like quite the journey and you sound very happy, but you, you you obviously want to discuss with us today, some of the things that you've been experiencing since you moved to Nevis, right? And because the topic of our conversation today is the sexualization of women. So this is such a broad topic, right? And we don't want we don't want our, our lovely birds to be listening and thinking, oh my God, Nevis is a horrific place. <laughs> but because everywhere we go in the world, we will find the objectification and the sexualization of women. It just manifests itself in different ways. So what would you like to share with us about, about this specifically with respect to your experience um, as someone who's moved to Nevis? My experience is, I suppose, being from Britain as well and having certain customs in how you speak to people and approach people going to somewhere like Nevis where it is so small it's a the population is less than 20,000 people and it's 36 square miles so it can be a culture shift in terms of the way men approach women so being a British person anyway you're instantly recognized because everybody knows each other, everybody knows when somebody's not from or born on the island. So I would, I would get the, you know, English, English. And sometimes it will be okay. I would just politely continue my day. And then other times I would think, does this really work for you when you are making hissing noises at women that are walking down the street? Does this really work for you? Do you expect me to take you seriously? 
But then there were times where it, it really frustrated me to the point where I actually start to school the men on how not to speak to, how not to speak to women. And I had a conversation with this, this man and I was, I was talking to my cousin, minding my own business. And this man came up to us and he just started talking about how sexy we looked and he used words that I probably shouldn't use on this podcast. And I said, (laughs) (laughs) okay, well, he he came up to us and he was like, oh, you two sex in a blood class. And I was just like, Mm. did he really say this? So I said to him, honestly, you see two women having a conversation. What makes it think, what makes you think it's acceptable to come up to us and and objectify us like that. And then he was like, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought you were Jamaican. And I said, so if we were from Jamaica, would it have been acceptable to approach us like that? And he said, oh no, you know, in Jamaica, that's how we speak to women and it's fine. And I said, it's not fine because if we had responded, how seriously could you have taken us? Where would the conversation had gone? from you objectifying us by our our looks aesthetically and i said and i said to him you know if we were white women would you have approached us the same way and he said no i would have said um excuse me can i speak to you or you look nice and i said well why wouldn't if we were jamaican women why couldn't we have that same respect because it's about being women and that's not acceptable behavior to be speaking to or approaching people like that. And his, his reasons were like, everyone does it and it's fine, but it's not fine because there has to be, there has to be limits in terms of being fun and actually being disrespectful. And I find that a lot of the time the, the line is so thin between fun and disrespectful. So I'll give you another example. Um, there was, two people working a man and a woman and the guy was just looking at this woman and making every sexual comment that he could think about and she was entertaining it and then he asked if he could touch her bottom and then she allowed him to Mm -hmm. and I just thought wow and then when he was walking past again he touched her bottom without asking for permission and then she got upset and I thought, you've already opened up yourself to allow him to touch you in, in your private area. But then when he does it again, because he now thinks it's acceptable, you get upset. So it's kind of like the boundaries for women allowing it sometimes upsets me because it's kind of like we're setting a standard where men think this thing, this type of thing is okay because a man should never think it's acceptable to think he can put his hands on somebody for, and it's, they're not, they have, they don't have that kind of relationship. And for a woman even to allow it, knowing that if he does it again, she's going to get upset. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it's really upsetting to see that sometimes women lower their standards as well and allow these things to be become acceptable and then when they want higher standards for themselves it's almost too late because they've been 
accepting such little. And I find in the in Nevis especially, women sometimes use men for commodities, whether it's they need a new outfit for carnival or they need, you know, something to buy. Mm-hmm. And then in turn, men find that they're almost prostitutes they're almost using women as prostitutes in the sense that they would get what they want knowing that they have to give them something in return and I've, ha- I've actually had this conversation with a guy that said that he wouldn't have sex with a prostitute but he kind of does anyway because when he you know once he's started to have a sexual relationship with a woman if she needs her phone bill paying or her light bill paying then he will so that worries me a little bit and I find that because there are a lot of people like that, it becomes part of the culture. So people don't always date because it's normal for a man to be dating or seeing multiple women. And those women sometimes know it, but more than, more than likely, they know about each other. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of education for women in terms of respecting themselves and respecting their bodies and I when I'm in Nevis I like to wear shorts and t-shirts as standard because you know growing up in a cold country we don't get the opportunity to do that and even when it's carnival in England it probably rains anyway so it might be in August but it's still going to be cold or wet so I do use the opportunity of being in a hot climate to wear what clothes I feel like wearing but often I might get men looking at me a certain way or making comments on my body shape and after a while it actually did start to make me feel uncomfortable to the point where I would really start thinking about what I am wearing and my shorts too short but at the same time, I've, I don't feel like I should put on my clothes for somebody else because I should put on my clothes for me and feel comfortable wearing that as long as I'm not offending anyone. And in the Caribbean, there's certain customs. So if you go to a bank or a government building, you're expected you know, to have your arms covered, maybe not be wearing flip-flops. And I just respect that because wherever you go in the world, everyone has customs. You know, if you go to Dubai, there's certain places where you're expected to cover up and no one would argue with that. People do their research before and be fine with it. So it's the same in the Caribbean. But if I'm just going out about my daily business, I don't expect people to be making comments based on what I'm wearing or what I look like because it does start to make you feel really uncomfortable like should I just stay in my house and not get any comments and sometimes I'll be sitting on my veranda and I live on a main road and people will stop by and I'm quite a friendly person but it's a case where they might say hello and I say hello back and they think they can ask me a million more questions and then it just instantly becomes very personal questions as well which mm. I find it's that makes me feel uncomfortable and then I get in defense mode mm. so it sounds like you are going through a lot of you're experiencing obviously a completely different culture because you've been living in Britain so are you saying that what you're experiencing in Nevis you never experienced in Britain 
Definitely not. I mean, right. <laughs> if men in Britain now have become so stush that it's as if they don't even want to approach a woman, it's almost as if they're the probably they're Britain. probably nervous too because they know <laughs> they're going to get into trouble. <laughs> you know, the the society is a little bit different in Britain. You can get into a lot of trouble. Um, you get held accountable. So it's. Do you think yeah. it's the society is not like that where you're living right now? Definitely. Um, I don't see, I mean, I haven't had any personal experience, but I can't imagine if I had an encounter with a man that really made me feel uncomfortable and I went to the authorities that much would be done about it. And I think that's definitely something across the Caribbean um, Mm -hmm. in terms of it almost being like it's not a serious matter for example, or you might have enticed the person. And I would Mm -hmm. never want to be in that position myself. And I remember there was a, I was speaking to someone who was telling me about their friend. And Mm -hmm. she said that she stood up with her boyfriend. And one day he turned up at her door and started having sex with her and hitting her. And I said to this person, I said, do you not, does your friend understand that she's actually being, you know, sexually attacked by this person? And it's as if it wasn't even considered as anything serious. And that is a very, very serious thing to happen. It's very invasive. And for someone either to not understand or not acknowledge it and to not go to the police really concerns me because how many other women are going through this? How many other men think that this behaviour is acceptable? So... I think there's a lot of education to be done because Mm -hmm. I find that in Nevis there's a a divide. There's the people that like to lime all the time and they probably, whilst they seem quite confident, they probably have a lot of internal issues in terms of their home life, their upbringing, their relationships with, with men, women and their parents Mm -hmm. and then on the other hand you've got the people that have that are educated in the sense that they've been to university and because Nevis is so small they would have gone to university abroad so they've experienced life somewhere else they've experienced life experience as well as academic experience and then they come back and they're they're the ones that are less likely to accept the sort of behavior where men are sexualizing them Mm -hmm. and for me being I kind of I kind of balance in the middle a little bit because I will go out liming and I enjoy socializing because it's it's a new culture for me Mm -hmm. but at the same time I am kind of that person that sits on the fence in the sense that I am educated in terms of being a woman and I know right from wrong so I won't allow someone to sexualize me without telling them why it's why it's wrong and why it's inappropriate. So, for example, I went to um, a backyard party and this guy was saying to me, oh, you know, when you go running in the mornings, make sure you run by my, and run by my house. I live here. And it's kind of like you, if I was to take you up on it, if I was to encourage it, it would actually become something. But then I have to let you realise that, you know, this this is not how you approach women just by making sexual comments. So someone that you've just met, 
how about you ask me my name, what I do for a living, or what my hobbies are, or get to know me as a person, right, just before trying to go straight in for the kill, because you don't even know if I even find you attractive, let alone if I want to run and come to your house. Mm. So, okay, have you, how long have you been living in, on, on, in Nevis? So just under a year. Under a year. And you mentioned liming. Now, I know what liming is, but for those lovely <laughs> birds that are listening who do not know what liming means, what does that word mean? What is liming? So liming is a word for partying or hanging out. Generally, in Nevis, it just means hanging out because the parties are kind of limited to certain days. So, But there is a drinking, socialising culture where there's a lot of rum bars um on the beach they have a lot of a lot of different bars and restaurants as well so that's a word that we use for hanging out with friends and throughout the caribbean generally in the caribbean culture liming just means socializing you're hanging out pretty much exactly yeah i think liming you can be liming at home in your house your friends come over in your bedroom liming or liming can be going to a party liming can be hanging out at the beach it's just a social it's 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 used within a social context yeah yeah okay so it sounds like this is an extreme culture shock. And I think this is very important because there are a lot of people who, um, who move from culture to culture and within different cultures. And they're not al- they don't always um, appreciate or understand the nuance or the difference. And I think someone like yourself, I know you said you know, you've, you've traveled to the Caribbean before and whatnot, but um, how important do you believe it is that people actually educate themselves on the places that they're going to be moving to and really try to understand what what the culture is like because the culture in Nevis is very different to the culture in Britain like you said a man in in Britain wouldn't just come up to a woman and go yeah come run by my house I mean maybe he would because there's issues in Britain too (laughs) and that's a whole other conversation but um obviously you haven't experienced it there but how, how important is it that you think people research where they're going and, and, and what they're going to be doing there and, and this sexualization of women and what that's like in, in the new place that they're going to be moving to? It's really important, to be honest. Um, yeah. I would say for me, when I've been to Nevis in the past, I've been on vacation. And mm-hmm. when you go on vacation, you're in vacation mode, yes. as in go there you know you're there for a certain time you know when you're leaving so yeah it's it's fine to lime every day because you might only be there for two weeks or three weeks you know you might go to the beach every day because you don't have a beach in England but when you actually live there and experience it it's actually so much different from being out of that vacation mode so to an extent you could do your research you, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, in Nevis, there's not many people blogging, so you wouldn't necessarily find blog or blog content, mm-hmm. so to speak. But it'd really be a case of knowing people out there and going there and experiencing it. And I think taking off the vacation hat, it's sometimes difficult to do that because even though I've been going to Nevis from since the age of one and a half and always gone there quite regularly, mm-hmm. people still consider me as a foreigner so I got the title the local foreigner because 
people know me because I I know Nevis and I've been coming for so long, but then I'm still British, so they see me as a foreigner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's a, a different it's a different culture altogether because when you go there for a short period of time, you're not really thinking so much about the cost of shopping, for example, because when you're only doing it for two weeks and there's loads of you because you've gone with your big family, it's it doesn't seem that bad. But when you're there and I think for me I do a lot of comparison so if I go to the supermarket and I see Waitrose essential biscuits that are the equivalent of seven pounds and I know that they would cost less than a pound in Waitrose I'm I'm like I'm not buying that that's ridiculous and often it's that that comparing back to what prices are but it's factoring in things like you know things aren't produced in Nevis and when you get things shipped over there it's going to take a long time it's going to have a a big cost and then um you have to pay customs on top of that and then you still need to mark mark up to be able to you know pay for your business premises and your staff and things like that so there there are things that are very expensive um in some respects the culture is a lot different being from britain it's all about self-serve and efficiency when you go to the caribbean when you go to nevis if you're going to go to the bank be prepared to be there for a while take a walk oh yeah (laughs) um and don't get don't get don't get upset about it that's the main thing and be prepared that when you need to sort out something official you won't necessarily get all of the information unless you ask for it people tend not to volunteer how to help unless you specifically ask for specific help so take things like that into consideration that it is very laid back and the things that you will like about it are also the things that might sometimes irritate you as well so I like me because it is slow paced because living in London is very hectic everyone's rushing no one makes eye contact so when I go to Nevis, I've always enjoyed just slowing down. And even sometimes now, I'll be walking and I'll be walking fast. I'm like, I'm not in London. Like, I don't need to rush. I don't need to walk this fast. I can take it easy. And, you know, when you when I go to the bank, for example, I mean, I kind of, I kind of time it pretty well. I would normally go to the bank first thing in the morning or not at all because I don't want to be in the bank all day. But even when I can't help going to certain offices, but being in that slowness, I just have to embrace it as this is this is the culture. And this is why I said there are so many opportunities because being a British person and living in Nevis, there's so many opportunities to bring certain things over there at that make Britain so efficient and the quality so so quick because certain things do need to speed up other things it's nice to be able to go to the supermarket for example and have a chat with the cashier you would never get that here you could never go to Tesco and have more than a smile if you're lucky so it's being prepared in that way. And I think for me, I would say you really need to experience it. Take that vacation half and spend time with locals. A lot of the time I find that in Nevis, and it quite upsets me, is that a lot of expats tend to just hang around with other expats. 
and not really integrate with locals and really understand what the culture and the history of the island is. Right. Now, talking about going back to the sexualization of women, you live in a very tiny place. So obviously everything is magnified times 50, right? (laughs) Because it's a very small place compared to to, say, Britain. But the sexualization of women is everywhere. Okay, we see it in media all the time. We see it in magazines. Everywhere we go, women are sexualized, particularly in the West. You know, if we go into Europe or into the United States and we see a bottle of um, a bottle or a drink, there's a woman on it and she's half naked, right? Because women are sexualized to sell ev- to sell every and anything. So. How, how do you believe all of this sexualization has played into um, what you're experiencing in Nevis in the Caribbean? How is it any different? Um, I suppose it's overexposed, as you said, wherever, wherever we go. But there's something different about seeing an image mm-hmm. and actually witnessing it as well as in witnessing online image offline in terms of how people how women especially behave around men and I see I see a lot of how people women especially that say they're independent but that independence comes from a man somehow Mm. and when when you really speak to them, you realise that it's often because of how they've grown up, because Absolutely. in the Caribbean, it's quite normal for children to be raised by their grandparents. Right. And whilst everyone is doing it, it doesn't mean that the children won't grow up with issues around their parents and for a woman growing up with her grandparent they're going to be taught how to be a woman whereas men are loved by their grandparents you know that whole saying that women raise their daughters but love their sons Mm. so Mm -hmm. the upbringing is very different men are brought up to be loved and cuddled and smothered and the girls are you know, taught you have to cook, you have to clean, you have to work, you have to look after the younger siblings or the home, of course, that kind of thing. And then where you've got absent parents, both mothers and fathers, because it, they might have moved on, they might have gone somewhere to try and provide a better life, to send money, that kind of thing. But the relationship is still missing, and that then goes on to how they act as women and yeah. how they. As parents and how they then bring up their own children it's a very big unfortunately it's a really vicious cycle but I often find that the women that allow themselves to be sexualized mm-hmm. are the ones that normally do come from a broken home mm. or haven't left the island for example and who have had a quite a sheltered quite a sheltered life Mm -hmm. and I think I understand it in that respect but we also need to do more do better and really educate women on the fact that 
when a man is when a man is whistling at you mm-hmm. um down the road it's not acceptable i had a guy once i was wearing a dress which i don't think was that tight and i had a guy tell me about how nice my underwear looked and i said it's you know this is not acceptable mm-hmm. at, at all and then that made me feel really uncomfortable as if is everyone looking at my underwear kind of thing and it wasn't like i was wearing yellow underwear under a white dress but mm. it was the fact that he was it just it just really makes you think some people would think that because you're dressed a certain way that it's acceptable for me to make comments or even worse and it's even worse that probably makes me feel uncomfortable that you don't always know what goes to the minds of other people so should we all be wearing baggy clothes that no one's ever gonna find you and then that's and that leads to the argument of and this is wherever you go in the world oh look at how she's dressed what do you expect versus no you're a man and you should be respectful irrespective of however a woman is dressed right but then there's also that element of he said it to you because he's also said it to many other women who have not corrected him and who saw that as acceptable so do you think a big part of the problem is women are accepting this kind of behavior yeah i think that is definitely a big part of the problem it's the we're not we but women are allowing it to be the norm and Mm. if more people opened up and said well you know no do not speak to me like that or didn't entertain it um you know didn't let men touch them when they felt it was acceptable then we would have a lot more respect amongst our women and then i think in in turn the men will also respect the women a lot more because people will look at me and because I do wear shorts and a t-shirt most of the time they probably have a certain assumption and I know a lot of men have told me that there's this stereotype of British women being easy oh of course that's very that's very widely known in the Caribbean oh she's a foreign woman you know they're they're a bit more loose quote unquote that's the stereotype Mm -hmm. and that they can get away with more with you than they could with someone who's local yeah that yeah. is that is a stereotype and i yes. do think Aston is a stereotype oh definitely um, but what I, what I have found is that when i open my mouth and when i do start to speak to people well men they're quite surprised and it's i've had i've had a lot of men that have pretty much said oh i'm surprised you have a brain type of mm. thing mm. in not so many words because when they look at you they expect you to be a certain way and then when I really school them they all get like whoa I wasn't expecting that because they're just expected to react and think oh it's it's fine it's acceptable and it's it's not and I have to say to certain men what do you expect from a woman that thinks that that behavior that approach is okay what type of woman is that is that the woman that you want to bring home is that the sort of woman you want to marry is that the sort of woman you want to have children with that it's okay for you to touch them, pass comments on them, and sexualize them because of what they look like aesthetically. Right. Because women should feel comfortable wearing what they wear and shouldn't feel as though they need to wear something for a man to look at them a certain way or right. in the dress in a way 
that would turn a guy off and sometimes I think it's more than in fact a lot of the time I think it's more than just clothes because there are times where I would be looking rough <laughs> as in I'll talk to the shop and I'll be looking rough and I would still get men making comments and I'm just like I look like I haven't even bathed. Why are you so still making so there's a lot of hype it's just a lot of hypersexualization it sounds like. There is I and whilst it. and I think whilst we would agree that sexual expression is important, there also needs there, there needs to be a line. There needs to be a line that that's that drawn where it's it's okay to have say for example like we discussed um in our Twitter chat, we had a Twitter chat recently. Uh, what do Caribbean women want? And we discuss things like um, carnival and how does carnival empower women or does it objectify women? And all these, it's such a nuanced conversation, but there obviously needs to be a line drawn between body positivity and healthy sexual expression versus objectification, sexual degradation, degradation, reducing a woman to an object and where women feel like the only power they have comes from their sexuality. Yeah, that, that's a big shame when women have to use their beauty and their assets to gain what they want instead mm. of work hard for what they want because these are things that are getting passed down to to children and there is a lot of hypersexuality when it comes to the, a lot of young, young children and when I see in Nevis it really concerns me that you've got these young children that are overexposed Mm -hmm. to their sexuality. They're not even developed yet. And Mm -hmm. yet they are exposed, the conversations that they're having, because I volunteer at a school sometimes. And Mm -hmm. when I hear the conversations with children in sort of grade four, grade three, and I just think that their innocence is, is really being lost. And it's a, it's a real shame because these women that are allowing themselves to be sexualized by men or that don't know that it's or accept that it's wrong to be mm-hmm. sexualized by men the way they they are mm-hmm. they're passing down their children are seeing this and then in turn their children are doing the same thing and i've mm-hmm. heard comments about oh if she looks ready then she is ready and that's not acceptable mm-hmm. and one thing i do notice a lot is the age gap between relationships and I speak to men that are in their forties and fifties that say that they don't want a woman um, any older than 25. And I will say to them, you've got children that are older than 25 and yet you probably can't have a conversation with them. Why do you want to have a relationship with a woman that is younger than your child, your daughter? And what do you really expect to get from them? And it comes down to that whole father figure um, you know, the the man is acting almost like a dad to this woman and the woman is looking for a father figure because what what does a woman who is 19 have with a man that's in his 40s? And it happens a lot. I'm seeing big men looking at young women that are mm-hmm. still developing um, mentally, right. spiritually, you know, everything. So... 
But then, but you know, in, in some parts of society accepts that. Wherever you go, society says it's okay for a man to be 10, 15 years older than a woman because the excuse is always, well, women mature at a much quicker rate than men. So it's, it's okay. Much. Well, you know, that's the excuse that we, that we hear all the time, you know. Oh, it's okay, it's okay. Because how many of us, many of us, even in our personal circles, know, know of women who are with men twice their age and nobody, nobody blinks an eye at it. It's okay. It's not a big deal, right? <laughs> not that it's right, but it happens all the time. And somehow people accept that, you know? Okay. When these women are so much younger, mm-hmm. I find, I do have a problem with it. Um, well, I shouldn't say it's a problem because everyone has a choice in what they do. Right. But if a woman is a lot older, more mature, then I can understand they make those decisions they, they understand. But when you've got teenagers that right. are with big men, I, I've spoken to numerous women that have said that they've had babies with older men because they know that their babies are going to be sorted for the rest of their life because their, their, their baby's dad has money. So mm-hmm. their, children, their children aren't going to want for anything. Mm-hmm. And that is what I have a problem with. You're having a child so that you can be financially comfortable so these are obviously women who are more working class, who are from lower economic backgrounds, which is something that definitely, again, it's a nuanced conversation that plays into women sexualizing themselves. Because when you feel powerless, when you feel like you don't have any other option, you actually play into your own sexualization, don't you? Like these women who are saying, well, I know my child's going to be taken care of. Obviously, they don't believe that they have the means to make it financially on their own. So they see a man as a financial plan, don't they? Exactly that. And that's what we really need to stop and educate people on. Because whilst a man can offer you financial support, it's only ever going to be temporary. temporary because there's a lot of emotions that get invested into that. Whereas mm-hmm. you could take that time and invest it into yourself, growing mm-hmm. yourself as a woman, as a person, as a parent and really having healthy relationships but if you're in a relationship with somebody based on what you're getting Mm -hmm. then never going to be healthy it's only ever going to be short term and it's it's going to be worse for people in in the long term and especially when it comes to the male and female relationships it it's not healthy because children are being brought into these relationships and Mm -hmm it's been unhealthy for them as well because the children aren't being born out of love. They're being born out of convenience or mm-hmm. carelessness. Mm-hmm. And if they do try and break the cycle, that still means that they have issues with their parents because they won't understand why their mums or dads did X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to do something different and then if they they are the same then they still might have issues with their parents there's a lot of there's a lot in the caribbean where you know once women get to a certain point it might look as if their children are infatuated with their mum's new partner and i've had i've heard horror stories where the mums believe believe that this is true and kick their children out over wanting to have a relationship with the man mm-hmm. and again that's hypersexuality there's conversations that we need to be having where women aren't being 
women aren't being used. I had someone approach, I had, in fact, I had a few people approach me about working their bars. And I know that the only reason they asked me to work in their bars is because I'm, because of what I look like aesthetically, because I have no, I have no bar experience. I've never worked in a bar in my life. So it's not that I'm qualified for the job. It's because they know that men are going to come in because they see a, a, a woman that they haven't seen before that's new that's british so british people equal easy mm-hmm. and i don't want to be sexualized like that that to me is is almost a form of prostitution because you're not employing me because you want me to do a good job you employ mm-hmm. me because of what i look like and in that sense how safe is it really for me to work in your bar that mm-hmm. is men because in english a lot of women don't really go to bars it's it tends to be men so how how safe am I going to be as an employee and it's not as if everyone has employee contracts so it's just a a cash in hand type of thing and someone said to me you know I I really need you to work with me because the person I've got working there she's got a boyfriend now so she's not entertaining the customers in the same way and I just thought do you really understand what you're saying to me you know so have you have you found have you found a community of women who in on the island who are like yourself who think the way that you do and who because obviously they exist but who who and who believe what you believe and and sort of try to find ways to combat the problem because you've identified there's a problem so how what in terms of solutions then there are definitely women on the island that i have met with that do have my sort of thinking and as i said it's that um, division with mm-hmm. the people that like to lie all the time mm-hmm. and probably have issues with their families and relationships and then there's other sides where people ha- have been either educated um, gone to university or have just lived somewhere else abroad um, have experienced a different way of life and for those women I really get on with them and it's it's interesting having these conversations because we're always talking about what is the solution but mm-hmm. it always feels like there's more women that are the opposite so it's kind of harder to find a solution because we're a small pool of people that are saying you know we need to change this and change mm-hmm. the conversation and it, mm-hmm. when it feels like most women are accepting this, even yeah. though they want it, they're almost accepting it. Yeah. Um, there are quite a few women's groups that are starting to come up, but right. they tend to probably, the focus is probably not on the younger millennial women on the island, mm-hmm. but there's definitely the conversations that we're having and the solutions, I suppose, are constantly revolving because when you start to talk about self-care and self-love some women do actually listen and take it in but I'm not sure how much they really embed it into their lives because they've got so many other things going on and you know women in Nevis are so phenomenal like they're juggling so many different roles they're working two jobs Mm -hmm. they're parents their carers their friends you know self-care sounds like a bit of a luxury to them you know it's not it's not at the top of their list yeah so what do you think what do you think you can do then do you think do you think now because this is obviously something you're very passionate about what do you think can be done or will do you think you will use your 
your blog, my um, melanin mind soul in some shape or way to, to kind of change what you're seeing down there because your blog is really about empowerment, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. I think there's a conversation to be had with the men mm-hmm. to begin with. Mm. So you think men educated. need to be educated? Most definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've put it to the men as well. Mm-hmm. And they, I, I said to them, you know, I'm going to have a, a series of workshops where I teach Wonderful. you how not to speak to women and how to speak to women correctly. And they're all like, yeah, yeah, let me know, let me know. But mm-hmm. I don't think they're interested because they actually want to learn something. I think they're probably more interested in looking at me. Give them the yeah, benefit so- of the doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's great. That's a great idea. Workshops, right. And, and what yeah. else? What else do you think that, that you could do using your blog? In I think using the blog the and platform. trying to trying to really create, use it as an advertising platform to really create safe spaces for women Absolutely. to know that there's somewhere for you to come in, to, somewhere for you to come and talk. And that's one thing that I find is lacking. And there's not enough support groups mm. and support networks that are really advertising. If you want to go out for a drink or dinner, you can easily find something. But when it comes to self-care, mm. it's it's not an easy thing to look for because I don't know where people are actually getting their self-care from when it's, when they're not aligning. You know, I, mm-hmm. I go to the beach when I need some downtime and mm-hmm. sometimes I would leave my phone at home and just relax. Whereas I don't know what women are currently doing for self-care. So for me, it's probably a case of doing some research mm-hmm. and, I, and I think massaging people because the Caribbean culture Mm-hmm. is so different and I think when you really when you want to go to the Caribbean and implement things and make changes or improvements mm-hmm. you have to really respect that people are the certain way because that is the culture and to make changes you can't come in bulldozing in the Caribbean because people would just just really get defensive mm-hmm. so it's more of a case of massaging people um really letting them know the benefits the tangible benefits small and slow rather than thinking you can just because then people start thinking well who do you think you are mm-hmm. you know and this is how it's done here but we're, we're all one people because even though some people say oh the caribbean is slow people have access to everything you know it's mm-hmm. not as if in in Nevis, people don't have iPhones and tablets and computers and the latest fashion. We have access to all of those things, but when it comes to self care, I'm not sure we're accessing that as much. There's not a thing like therapy, and I was actually speaking to someone about this, and they were saying, you know, it's therapy is frowned upon. Mm-hmm. People, yeah. don't don't it's do seen it. Seen as a weakness. Exactly. You just you just get on with it and you don't talk to or your you friends. Go, or you go to your religious, you know, institutions, whether that's the church, the mosque, the temple, you 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 find religion or you you keep your mouth shut. You don't go to the therapist. That's not that's not what the culture allows for, you know. 
and then you don't talk to your friends because your friends yeah. would go and talk your business. So because there's it's judgment. Kind of- it's very judgmental, you know. So if you tell your friends and all your friends are going to talk about you and the community and people are going to say this and that. So there's, like you said, there's definitely a lot you need to think about because you're dealing with a different culture, a different mindset. But as we know, people make, people create culture and we can change, if we can change people, we can change culture, right? It's just like you said, it's a matter of approach. How you how you do it exactly. and yeah. it's, it's important to actually want to do this and really Absolutely. i think start talking to people and then letting them see the benefits of self-care and self-love and mm-hmm. womanhood as well and not being sexualized and having those conversations and making it the norm just like now everybody talks about self-care self-love about mm-hmm. what it's like to be a woman mm-hmm. and people very unapologetic um if people go to therapy they're very open about it Absolutely. and it's not a boo thing anymore yeah which i find is really empowering mm-hmm. and that's something that really needs to be encouraged in nevis and across the caribbean as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well i think for someone like yourself you're in a very unique position because you've recently started this platform and as a part of making changes in your life, you've moved to this island, you've recognized a problem, and, you, and now you can solve that problem using your platform to do so. So maybe you going to Nevis is, is maybe you didn't select Nevis, but Nevis selected you. <laughs> you know? <I> so. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like you have a lot of work to do. And I think yeah. you can create a lot of really interesting, um, interesting programs and things to 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 solve the problem and you can and you can do a lot now for our listeners who are just like yourself all women who have ideas or recently started with their ideas what advice do you have for them if they're in a in a position similar to yours they've they've quit their job they've started something new i know for example in your interview on our platform you said that being in nevis was also part of you trying to figure out the next step in your entrepreneurial journey. And it sounds like you're, you're doing a lot to figure that out. But what, what words of encouragement would you offer our listeners who are thinking, well, I'm in a similar situation, what do I do? Or how, you know, they recently started blogging or they have this idea, but they're coming up on these challenges. What, what would you say to them? I would say, go for it. Have a plan, yeah. but don't let that, plan discourage you from doing making the move because no matter where you are in your life there's always an alternative some people say oh but I have a mortgage or I have this and if you have a mortgage that means you could rent out your place if you really needed to whether it was a family or a friend if you have a job you can always get another job um there's always someone hiring and if you can't find a job then create one for yourself use your skills and turn your passion into profit but most of all I would say surround yourself with a really good tribe mm-hmm. there's always like you that is is on the same journey I I have friends in Nevis that are from other parts of the world that have done similar things when they've left where they are they've left their jobs to come to Nevis to find themselves to find opportunities and explore opportunities and there's, there's so much, so surround yourself with a really good tribe of people that are like you and integrate as well, like be prepared to take the positives of living in your diaspora 
as well as the the downsides as well and where there are the downsides turn that into something positive so for me you know the sexualization of women I could turn that negative into a positive by trying to educate men and educate women to love themselves mm-hmm. so everything can be turned into something positive your passion can always be turned into profit because your heart will always be in it but I would say most of all surround yourself with positive people and be prepared to take the leap because it's actually not as bad as you probably think it is and Mm -hmm. don't discourage yourself from Mm -hmm. from doing it because if you're constantly talking about it if it's constantly in your mind Mm -hmm. and you're constantly wish then turn that dream into a reality Definitely. And it's important to note that there are movements happening around the Caribbean. I mean, very recently, I think it was last year, I can't remember, don't quote me on it, but there was the hashtag not asking for it campaign. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Um, with the sexualization of women around carnival, which is a topic we could talk about for hours, (laughs) carnival. (laughs) And, And we can also talk about the sexualization of women in Caribbean music. We can talk about the sexualization of women coming from Caribbean men. And like we talked about today, um, when Caribbean women themselves perpetuate it. So I think this is a topic that's being explored more and being discussed more. It's not as taboo. I think the younger generation, the millennial generation are really bringing a lot of these um, issues to the table, which is really good. And um, so it's not, it's not, like you said, it's not as bad as you think because there are discussions happening and there are things happening. You just need to keep putting things, people just need to keep putting things in motion. Yeah, you know? I agree. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so how can we find you? Tell us your website. What's your website address? So my blog website is www.melaninmindsoul.com. And you can also find me on Facebook at Melanin Mind Soul and on Instagram, Melanin Mind Soul. So yeah, you can reach one of those platforms and okay. say hi. Right. And, and what are you looking for right now? Are you looking for anyone to collaborate with or to work with? Or you said, for example, you're in the Caribbean. Are you looking to connect with other like-minded Caribbean women? who may want to work with you in, in any new projects that you might be thinking about doing? Yeah, I mean, I'm always up for collaboration opportunities. And at the moment, I'm working on starting a crowdfunder because I really want to start a, well, develop even more a homework club because I found from volunteering at my local school that there's a need for something for the children to do after school outside of school and provide them with extra support so that's something that I'll be working on so if you're a brand and you have any book styles or anything educational that would be you'd be interested in sponsoring and to send over to Nevis or interested in just promoting it that would be really helpful and any other collaboration opportunities if there's any other bloggers out there that are in the diaspora whether it's in the Caribbean or anywhere else in the world that have made a similar sort of move and want to connect want to collaborate then just give me a shout brilliant well it was really really great to have you on today and and to hear your views and just to hear your journey from where you were to where you are right now and the different things you're experiencing and to hear your passion about, you know, this sexualization. I think it's, it's very important because somebody else would have just said, well, you know, that's a part of the culture and, and 
ignore it. You know, it's not my thing. I'm only here for a little while. Why do I need to get involved in that? And you've decided that you want to do something about it. And I think that's very admirable. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I hope that, well, I'm 100% certain that someone listening in today would have heard something that you said that would have inspired them. And I hope that someone reaches, they reach out to you and they, um, and they find motivation in your story. So thank you again. And I hope to have you back on later on once things have built up for you so we can find out more about what you got up to eventually in Nevis and all the men that you've converted. (laughs) I like that word converted. Converted. We're all about conversion, you know, (laughs) and all the women who you've connected with, because I think this is also a unique opportunity to work with a lot of women on on the island and and get their views and 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 share and learn different experiences like you said it's not about going in and trying to impose your way but trying to learn from each other and have that exchange you know because we all have different approaches as to how we can we can we can make the world a better place if you want to call it that yeah all right okay lovely birds so that was podcast episode number 32 thank you so much again for coming on dominique everybody knows where they can find her and until the next episode thank you so much and bye for now thank you for having me bye my pleasure bye-bye